Hey, welcome to Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part two of only two parts. Usually we have three. This time we only have two. The date was December 5th, 2011. Graham Haynes in the studio with me. And the topic was Miles Davis, the years 1973 to 75. If you missed part one, you really might want to go back and hear it because you know what makes for a great deep focus in my book is it's all about the passion of the guest for the topic. And Graham Haynes, ooh, he's feeling this, this band. It's really, it's personal. <laughs> he talks a lot about it. He talks about it here in part two. He talks about it a bunch more in part one. You can jump in any place with all this. And um, if you are enjoying the show, hey, come let me know. Find me at Instagram. We are Deep Focus Podcast. Deep underscore focus underscore podcast. And um, you'll also find real community growing up around Deep Focus there. Uh, you'll find some of my guests. Sometimes you'll even find the subjects of the show. You'll find a lot of interesting musicians and music lovers and artists and chefs and all kinds of cool, smart, interesting people who are impassioned about this music. It's been uh, an inspiration for me and you're part of the community. Come find us, Deep Focus Podcast at Instagram. And uh, let's get started. It's part two, Graham Haynes on the topic of Miles Davis from December 2011, part two of two. It's Deep Focus. Uh, that may not be apparent, may not have been apparent at the time, but when you listen to this stuff, it's very apparent to me. You know, it's it's like Miles let those guys stretch out over these vans for a reason. He wanted certain things to happen inside of it, and then when it got to the point when he was ready to change it, then he changed. You know, and uh, yeah, I I, I think uh, in that sense it was ahead of its time. Um, um, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, well, let me catch listeners up. If you're tuning in and just joining us, this is WKCR FM, New York. My name is Mitch Goldman. Jazz Alternatives is the program weeknights from six to 9 PM. Tonight, we're doing something that we do from time to time called deep focus. And, uh, we are diving into the KCR archives and tonight our, area of deep focus is Miles Davis's recordings from so far 1973 and um, the guest we have tonight who suggested this idea and I was happy to go along with him is Graham Haynes who's got a very special insight which Graham you've been very generous and uh, and uh, insightful Just well, I'm, I'm very passionate about this band you know it's one of my favorite bands as I said and uh I got to see it a number of times, and um, and I do feel that this whole period was a little under under discovered or under appreciated, you know, in a way, you know. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, and these these recordings really, really put it in a crystal clear light. Um, we could go to some more music. I got a bunch more questions I'd like to ask you too. I want to ask you. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little more. And then we can go to some more music. Well, one of the things you and I talked about off mic a little bit, well, got a few things I want to talk about. One thing I want to talk about is your Bitches Brew project. You are creating music that is 
inspired partly this era or maybe a few years earlier and um, something that today's listeners can have a chance to actually experience. And um, you've been playing, and I understand there's some plans coming along for that as well. Yeah, well, I've, I've been performing with this Bitches Brew. We call it Bitches Brew Revisited. Uh, I've been performing with this project for a little over a year now. And uh, it's an amazing band. It's Melvin Gibbs on bass, uh, Cindy Blackman on drums, sometimes J.T. Lewis on drums, and there may be times where there'll be two drummers. Um, DJ Logic, um, DJ, and um, the guitarist, we've had, um, uh, yeah, I said Vernon. Uh, um, the, um, Antoine Aroni on saxophone, myself, uh, Adam Rudolph on percussion, Marco Benevento or James Hurd on keyboards. So <clears throat> this is a band that was assembled for the purpose of playing Bitches Brew music and beyond. So the point is to uh, to create some music and and create yeah to create some music that is inspired by Bitches Brew and to play some of that music. So um, we've been doing some gigs. We did uh, so far. We've we've only done two gigs in New York. Uh, we're working on on uh, a New York gig for uh, which will probably be this uh, February, I think, and we're planning to go in the recording studio and 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 record some stuff, which will be some of the Beatrice Brew things, but some original music as well. And um, yeah, it's it's great to be able to 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 play with these amazing guys, some of my favorite musicians, and play some of that material, but then also push it. And uh, we d we've done some great gigs over the last, uh, last summer we had quite a few gigs out of town. And uh, every time I try to push it more. And uh, that's, that's, the, that's the whole idea, to push it further, um, to, to reach what I know is possible today as opposed to just Bitches Brew and, and, and that material in that time. You know. It's a great jumping off point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and, yeah. and... There is quite a bit, you know, when, I, when, when we put this together, I realized that there is quite a bit of material. You know, when you go in and check those records, when you check the original Bitches Brew record, there's the original Bitches Brew, but then when you check the box set, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Right, the sessions that yeah. it was. Yeah, but even just the original material alone that came out on the CD, there's a lot of material there, and, and uh, I, I discovered that in, you know, going back and checking the CD out, checking the LP out. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 working with with this group, and you know it's honored to be able to uh, to do justice to Miles, to try to an attempt to do justice to Miles' music, and then, you know, I've been doing a lot of other things as a sideman. I've been uh, I have um, uh, been performing with Adam Rudolph in some of his varying groups. He's got uh, an orchestra called uh, the Go Organic Orchestra that we just finished a residency. Uh, at Roulette in Brooklyn, and then I believe we will be playing a Winter Music Festival in January with his octet. He's got an octet called Moving Pictures. 
So that's coming up in January, and Adam and I have been uh, discussing and uncovering a lot of ideas dealing with uh, music and the elements of music. Adam, I know he's been up here a few yeah, times talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, we've know. done uh, some great stuff. Adam did a deep focus on Creative Music Studio that was really, really uh-huh. thrilling for me. But I was going to say that he and we talk about this. I mean, you know, this this Miles Davis period is also something that he and I talk about a lot because um, it, it it very much informs what we're doing, and I think there are a lot of things that we're doing that uh, that this band was doing that have been that haven't been addressed, you know. Uh, so uh, we talk about this band a lot. You know, let me just mention, by the way, because I mentioned Creative Music Studio, I would be remiss not to say that tonight is the last of a long series of Mondays that uh, Carl Berger's been leading at the Stone. And that's they're doing two sets tonight, 8 and 10 o'clock. And they've got some very special guests, musicians associated with the Creative Music Studio going back to the early days. And uh, it's the place to be tonight. It's, uh, I may try to run down there after I leave yeah. here. Yeah, there is a 10 o'clock set. You'll, uh, it's, uh, it'll be gooder. It'll be good. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's great to see these large ensembles uh, coming. You know, I know Butch Morris has also been doing a residency down at uh, Lucky Chang's. Yeah. And I went to check them out last week, and it was incredible. So, um, yeah, it's great to see these large ensembles um, that are doing uh, new experimental things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were, we were talking off mic about, uh, you had something to say about the album Get Up With It. Get Up With It, yeah. Um, okay, so I spoke earlier about when I met Miles, and that was in Boston at Paul's Mall at one of these gigs. It's, it sounds like he played quite a bit at Jazz Workshop, Paul's Mall, which were two clubs that were next to each other in Boston. Um, but then, um, okay, and then after that, I went and did a lot of research and got some of these other record records that Miles made post-1972 and um, I used to go someone pointed out to me where Miles lived so I used to go to his house and knock on the door and in hopes that he would come out and I could talk to him you know so one day I had a stack of records with me I had a I guess it was probably on the corner in concert, uh, Live Evil, I had them all with me, and I went by Miles' house and I wanted to to see if I could talk to him, you know. So I go to the house, and uh, I was looking in. I'm look, smiling. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. So I'm, lo- I'm looking in the window, and uh, he's got all his gear from the band in there. You know, like the amplifiers, the red, black, and green Yamaha amps are set up there. He's, the organ's there. And I was just looking in, and then he comes walking down the street. You know, and he looks at me, and he says, What are you doing looking at my window? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, <clears throat> so I figured that he didn't remember me from when I met him in Boston. So, but I happened to have these records. So I took the records and I showed him. I said, well, you know, I really like these records, you know. And uh, then he looked at me and he looked at the records. And then uh, he went inside the door. He said, come in. So I came in. Then he started to show me chords on his organ. He started playing some progressions and showing me, you know, well, this is C minor 7, this is G7, this is F7, you know, this is A minor 7, flat 5, you know, started showing me some things. And uh, then uh, someone came by and he said, you have to leave, but come back tomorrow. And I was... I was the How happiest kid. I, I was about, I was still 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I was probably 14 then. Um, and I did not believe what I heard. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was in heaven, you know. He said, come back tomorrow. So I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I couldn't, you know. <laughs> I was up the whole night thinking about, I'm going to come back tomorrow. He's going to show me something. Wow. That is, that's still, still kind of thrilling. So I came back the next day, which was, I believe, a Sunday and Miles was rehearsing the band in the house. I remember Cozy was there. Some of the other guys were there. I don't know if Reggie and, and Al Foster, but I do remember Cozy was there. And I was rehearsing the band, and I was knocking on the door. <laughs> I was knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. <laughs> oh. Oh. And he never opened the door. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, wow. That was, wow. The last, that was the last time in that period that I saw him. That was just a, that was a perfect, like, minimalist short story <laughs> you just told. And it's a, there is so much truth in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it, the fact that he didn't let me in. It took me months and years to get over that. But then I thought, well, you know, maybe there's something in that, too. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe... Um, he just wanted me to hear. I mean, I don't know. I, there's a couple of different ways I could have taken it. But that was the last time. And, and I'd seen the band quite a few times after that. I went to, I saw them play at Carnegie Hall. I saw them play at Avery Fisher Hall. I saw them, as I say, open for Herbie at Hofstra University. And I saw the last gig that Miles did at Central Park which was in 1975. It was the same band. It might have been a different saxophone player, but I think everybody else was the same. And they played the gig. Miles was not in great health then. He was on, uh, I don't remember if he was on crutches. He was walking with a cane. Um, And uh, he didn't play much horn. And during those days, he wasn't playing a lot of horn. During the, after 74 into 75, he, uh, he was playing less horn and more organ. But I remember, I remember the gig ending. It ended with, I think he, he gave, he would often give Mtume an extended solo at the end and the band would walk off and Mtume would be the last one. And then the band walked off and Miles got into his limousine and I tried to get to talk to him 
And he said, close the door. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he got wow. in the limousine, and that was it. And Miles didn't play again for another five years. Yeah. That was the yeah, last six, gig. Five, six, yes. Five or six that. years, yeah. yeah. I was at the first one when he came back at Avery Fisher. Yeah, I was at that one, too. Yeah. I was at that one, too. But it was things had changed. Had, yeah. Yeah, things. It, 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 but I, Except I, for Al Foster. That right. Is that for Al? Al was still in the band. Al was still playing with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That's that's perfect. I mean, it's like, it's just like this music of something kind of open ended and unfinished and inviting, and yet you you know the door is open, but can you really go through? You know, it's yeah. all kind of right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's all kind of there. Man. Well, we should hear some more music. We've been yep. uh, setting it up. Let me tell you, this is WKCRFM New York, and Jazz Alternatives is heard each weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m. And Mitch Goldman's my name, and what a pleasure it is being here with Graham Haynes talking about and listening to Miles Davis and these great live recordings we've got of this tremendous band. And I want to say these are, you know, each one I listen to, like, wow, this is a really special night. It seems like every time this band walked out on stage was a really special night. And um, we were in Berlin. We were in Tokyo, in Shinjuku. And where are we going? Where to? Now we're going to Boston, the jazz workshop. Great. Um, I got to catch up a little bit. And... Yes, 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 yes. This is uh, October 17th, 1973. Uh, same lineup. Dave Liebman, soprano, tenor, and flute. Pete Cozy, guitar. Reggie Lucas, guitar. Michael Henderson, bass. Al Foster, drums. And Mtume on percussion. And I want, let's start with track three. Okay. Because the reason I want to start with track three was... Um, is uh, my feeling is that Miles put this band together and created some some heads and some ideas for the band to play off of, and that's pretty much kind of what they did for a period. Inside of that, they went to all these different worlds inside of the music. But by this time, Miles has started... Uh, actually composing from for the band in a way and uh so we're gonna hear something here called agarta prelude and then uh we'll play from there and then we'll come back and, and play some of this stuff that's uh also from the record get up with it um yeah let me just take a very brief moment to acknowledge the people that allowed for us to have these recordings to play for you tonight and even the engineers who made these recordings low these many years ago and as i said the stuff is not released this next recording was made by the people at wbcn in boston and um i'm just glad we have it here for you and uh let's get on the bus and go to boston with miles davis
Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Oh, <laughs> 
Thank you. 
They are going nuts for Miles Davis in Tokyo in 1975, February of 1975. You are listening to WKCRFM New York. That was an extended set of music. My name is Mitch Goldman. This program is called Deep Focus, and what a pleasure it is to dive into the WKCR archives. And I say dive because we go deep. We go. We don't. We don't cast our sights wide. We go. We plunge. And especially having a great, great guest guiding us through this. Uh, like Graham Haynes. Graham. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, we changed gears on the folks. We were in, um, where we were in Boston in 73, and we jumped ahead a year and a half. And a year and a half in Miles Davis time, this is all live recordings of Miles Davis from the KCR archives from 73 and 75. Um, and a year and a half in Miles Davis time is like, uh, I don't know, 20 years in human time. No, light years. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe walk us back through that, that uh, little segue that we had there. Okay. You, wanna, you want me to run down? Well, what? just uh, moving ahead from Boston where we started that set and then to the Shinjuku 75 where we ended. Yeah, we listened to. Now let me see. Is it, yeah, we were in we were in Boston, right? Yes. And uh, we played um, something called a Garter Prelude uh, from this Boston gig. Uh, um, then we let that run for a while. Um, same group, Dave Liebman. Uh, the rest of the guys are the same. Uh, Miles Davis, Pete Cozy, Reggie Lucas. Michael Henderson, Al Foster, and M. Toomey. Um, this thing that we just played was from Tokyo, 1975. The previous one was from 73. This is from 75. Uh, and it's the same group with the addition of Sonny Fortune on saxophone and flute taking the place of Dave Liebman. And we heard something called Maisha which is a pretty long track. And, um, yeah, you and I were talking about how much the band, how much the sound, you know, the difference between this and that. This was in 75 and the other one was in 73. Yeah, I mean, I, that that was the reason I played this track because I wanted to um, to show that, that Miles was thinking about trying to bring some structure and some form to to it. And uh, I like that piece. That's a piece that he calls Maisha. Uh, I believe it's part of it. The first section of it is from a tune called I Wish You Love, which Miles kind of reworked and and, and put a bridge. And uh, uh, I, I like that piece. I like that piece. I like what he does with it. I like the... Uh, I like the juxtaposition of this vamp 
and then the tune and going back and forth between the two. Yeah, you know, yeah, very you interesting. Have, you have this really tonal kind of like, you know, almost like a, a jazz tune or a pop tune where you have like a structure with chord progressions and everything, and then you go to this vamp that's very dark <laughs> and funky, and then it, it goes back. Yeah. You know, it goes back and forth and back and forth, and then, you know, he opens it up and it gets all opened up to whatever, what have you, you know. And... Um, I really like there are a lot of different there there are several different versions of this piece that I've heard and um I like I like what he does with the rhythm and the vamp when it gets to the, to, to the uh to the bridge and one of the ongoing themes of our conversation tonight of the misdone, misunderstoodness of this period um get up with it might be the most not gotten <laughs> albums in Miles' whole discography. Get Up With It was an interesting record. It was a very interesting record because, like a lot of the other records, it took a lot of things from previous stuff. There are some, there are some earlier things on that record, fr- from that record that are from probably earlier your 70s, 73 or something, and Get Up With It is 70. 74, I think the record was made in 74. And then when he toured, he played a couple of those things live. The Calypso thing, this, uh, maybe another thing that he would play live and um, with this group. And I, I, I um, you know, it was Miles' attempt to bring some structure to the, to the band, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, we're, we're heading into the last minutes of this, I'm sad to say. Me too. Me as well. I'm, I, we could go for another three hours. And, you know, I, I, um, it, it's been very compelling and, 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 and uh, mind-expanding to listen to this material, but there's so much other stuff I'm sure that's out there from this period. Yeah. And and well, the yeah, thing the yeah, thing with ahead. this group is that every time you hear it it sounds different. Each one of these gigs the band sounds different. So if there's more stuff about then they must all sound different. Yes. And uh he lets them all stretch out in different ways. There's different instruments that they use on one gig as opposed to another gig. The, the on this gig we last just played the guitars stretch out a little bit more. Um, in the end, the Matume stretches out a little bit. So from gig to gig, this band sounded really different. But, um, Miles also sounds like he's playing a little less. Yeah. Well, Miles was uh, dealing with some health issues and stuff, but he still does play in there. But, you know, towards the end, he starts, he uses the wah-wah more. He plays less open horn. He plays less. He plays more organ. You notice from the first thing we played, he's not playing any organ. Yes. Uh, from the early 73 stuff. And some of the organ stuff is dense. Yeah. Yeah, it is dense. It's dense. Yeah. It's dense stuff. But that was his sound. That was the sound. That's one of the trademarks of this era of Miles was the way he used organ. Yeah. Yeah. As a part of the sound of the band. And there's a big uh, contrast between 
Yeah, it's, there is. There's a yeah. There is a big contrast because of that because the organ takes up a lot of space. I mean, you it's know, it's like the exact opposite of his trumpet playing. Yeah, well, the instrument. Yeah, the instrument stuff, but what he does with the instrument. There's a story I heard about uh, Miles and Sly with the organ was Sly. You know, Sly played organ, and Sly was a big, Miles was a big fan of Sly, and. Um, he was hanging out with Sly, and he kept playing his organ. And Sly said, "Stop playing all that dark shit." I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, maybe that's true. I, I can know. see that. There is, there is. It's another another of our ongoing themes tonight. Is that darkness? That uh, and yeah. man, it's it is in there. It's, yeah. Especially, yeah. it's funny, you know, now knowing all the relatively breezy, happy post 81 miles yeah you know that last decade which he definitely turned away from that i guess maybe he turned away from that aspect of himself you know maybe people like to think that he was trying to be more poppy but i think it had to be also just his sensibility had shifted yeah i think so i think his sensibility had completely shifted by by the mid 80s by the mid and late eighties, because I mean he, he's shifted. You know, my my feeling is that Miles started this band. He had this band with Cozy and 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 Al Foster and these guys, and it was kind of like a new idea, and it was a new band. And he started out; he didn't have much material, but he knew what he wanted to do. And he, the band worked a lot, and as they went along, he kind of added pieces here and there and did different things, and then he retired. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the period right before when he retired was when all this dark stuff was happening. He was playing a lot of organ, but, you know, it's the same band, same guys. You know. Yeah. But then he retires, and then... Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that went on after he retired. Some of which some of, of us know, you know, uh, you know. Uh, um, and then he came back, and when he came back, you guess he kind of like cleaned out, you know. Yeah. And um, he comes with this new band, and it sounds a lot more kind of happy, you know. Yeah. Kind of bright. Maybe. It's not the miles that we used to, and, and you know, it it it. We, those of us who were really into this band, when he came back, it was kind of like Miles, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. That first time around, it, he was, uh, when he came back, you didn't really know how he was going to, there was a lot of space, and it wasn't quite clear how he was going to fill it. Yeah. I mean, it took him It took him quite a bit of time to get his chops back. Yes. Because from what I understand, he didn't play at all from right. 75 until 81. Yeah. So then, you know, I had to get his chops back. But then we hear, you know, to my ear, by the time he gets to, like, star people, then you hear him create with the, same, with the, the clear-mindedness and the creativity and, and, and the, the, the angularness and the angularity and, mm-hmm. and you know this, he was getting ready to he started a whole, on a whole new period and to me between that period and the time that he died the time he got sick again he um he was on a new trajectory and I, and I i think some of those records are 
a little misunderstood and uh, underrated as well. Um, I sense another radio show coming yeah, on. I, I have to. I find my yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that might be the next installment. Maybe you know, you know. I don't. If you yeah, you're gonna find some material. <laughs> well, well, that hasn't been released or something. Um, yeah, I think he was on a new trajectory after after a certain point. After he came back, he was gonna. You know, he. He um, hip hop was kind of out there, and he was working with some some hip hop producers and guys, and you know the hip hop community discovered him, and uh, I think he was into he was definitely into sampling. You know, he was working yeah. with Prince. Yeah. Um, I think uh, his changing played his his changing play his playing changed. Um, and it became a lot more spacey, you know. He was starting to use space in a different way because instrumentation changed, technology had changed, and he was always into using the new technology and stuff. So I think uh, he would have gone further down that road and who knows. Graham, I hate to say we got to wrap it up, but um, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. The time, I'm, three hours has flown by, man. It's flown by, but we got a lot of stuff in there. We did. Yeah. We did. We got more. We got to, we're going to, uh, we're going to have to revisit at some point. And, uh, but I want to thank you, Graham Haynes, for coming up to WKCR. Oh, uh, you're and welcome. And I want to thank you. Yeah. I, this, thank you. Um, really, you, you dove in, man. You, you brought it. All the, those, and those personal stories about Miles Davis were, really really stunning and uh it your perspective on the music was just yeah. singular well, really, i was fortunate really to have been in the right place at the right time to to check the band out and 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 hang around him for a, a bit of time and you know yeah. watch this space and others around you for news of upcoming performances by Graham Haynes and Bitches Brew Revisited and Go Organic Orchestra and all the other projects that you're doing and recordings. And uh, keep it tuned right here. My name is Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR FM New York. And coming up next is...